Good afternoon, folks. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing with a local Glasgow congregation with a Scottish registered charity. And we meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace. That's just up Dumbarton Road. And once you come to the police station, we go up the hill opposite the police station. You will then come to Thornwood Primary School and then you will meet our building on the crossroads. And we extend a warm welcome to you this afternoon. Even if you like to throw cigarette butts at us, we still like to welcome you to our services. And actually that could be, cons uh, could be a hate crime, but we'll not be too sensitive about these things. As I said, we're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. And it's normal for us to come out uh, with the gospel. Normally we come out on a Friday, but yesterday wasn't very suitable to come out. So we're out here on the Saturday afternoon, and we want to introduce you to the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we do this because, well, we have a commission from uh, the Lord Jesus Christ who commissioned his disciples to go forth and to preach the gospel. And therefore we seek to fulfill our part in that mandate and to go forth and to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ to a needy and to a corrupt generation. But we do it for another reason. We do it because there is widespread ignorance concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and Christianity. And there is great ignorance. And I wonder, friends, if uh, as you pass by this afternoon, would you be able to really tell me anything that's true concerning Christianity? And more than likely, you wouldn't be able to tell me something that is true of Christianity. You've no doubt heard things about Christianity, but you must take your Christianity from the Word of God, from the Bible, from God's own infallible Word, the Word that He has given to mankind, this Word whereby He has declared His mind and His will for us. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the, is the very sum and the substance of Christianity. You might think that Christianity is about rules and regulations. Well, it has that to some extent. But there would be nothing in Christianity without uh, the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said to young Timothy... Young Timothy was a, was a pastor. He was in a pastor called, in a place called Ephesus. And he was somewhat timid and somewhat struggling in many ways. He had a difficult time in Ephesus. And the Apostle Paul was reminding Timothy what Christianity is all about. And he says in this verse, and you can read it in your Bibles for yourself, and indeed, we would encourage you to take up your Bibles and read them. 
But in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, this is what the Apostle Paul said to young Timothy, the young pastor. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is a faithful saying, or this is a trustworthy saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he goes on to say, of whom I am the chief. Here is the Apostle Paul telling us why the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world. He came to save sinners, and then he admits, he acknowledges, of whom I am the chief. Not that he was the chief, but even now, as an apostle, as a follower of the Lord Jesus, he was the chief of sinners. And if you're ever going to understand anything about biblical Christianity, you must first realize that Christ came into this world on a mercy mission. And this is something that many people do not grasp and do not understand. Even religious people, many people who are in the pulpits today of Christian churches, they do not really know and understand why the Lord Jesus Christ came. But Paul is quite keen and quite clear upon the matter. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You and I have come into this world by what we call ordinary generation. I don't need to elaborate what that means, but we've all come into this world through ordinary generation. But the Lord Jesus came into this world in a different manner. It was by extraordinary generation. He was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by a miraculous operation of God the Holy Spirit. We cannot explain it. And even if the Bible did explain it to us, the likelihood is we would never be able to understand it. But the truth is that Jesus Christ had no natural biological father. He was conceived by a miraculous operation of God the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And this is absolutely vitally important for us to grasp and to understand because this was to ensure that the Lord Jesus Christ was born without natural sin. Every one of us, we are born sinners. We may not like to admit it or acknowledge it, but this is what the Bible teaches us. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our first parents sinned. They were created perfect. But 
they did sin. And because we've all come from our first parents, who are Adam and Eve, we have inherited their sinful nature. And if Christ was going to come into this world to save sinners, it was absolutely imperative that he himself would not be a sinner. And therefore, that is why he came into this world by extraordinary generation, because he did not have original sin. And therefore, he was able to live a perfect life. Again, this is important for us. Before we even present the gospel to you, it's vitally important that we realize that Christ lived a perfect life like no one else has done. He never sinned in thought. He never sinned in word. He did not sin in deed. He lived an absolutely sinless and perfect life. Can you imagine it, friends? He was the only person that never had to say sorry. He never had to take back his words. He never had to apologize. He lived perfect. And this is important because ultimately the Lord Jesus was going to go to Calvary. No doubt you've heard about Calvary and Calvary's tree. He was going to go there and offer up himself as a sacrifice. And friends, the sacrifice had to be perfect. There could be no blemish in the life of the Lord Jesus. And when he offered up himself as that once-for-all perfect sacrifice, it was in order that he might make atonement for mankind's sins, that he would pay the punishment that sin deserves. And this is what he did. He lived a perfect life, and then when the time came, he offered up a perfect sacrifice. And this sacrifice satisfied the just demands of God's most holy and inflexible law. And this is why we're able to come out this afternoon and to tell you something concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And we admit as we stand here and as we hand out gospel tracts to you, we admit that we can only tell you a part. We can only tell you but a small bit concerning Christ. He is a glorious individual. There is no person like him. He alone is the only begotten Son of God. He's the one who has come from heaven. And he's the one who has come from heaven in order to bring his people to heaven. Now, who are his people? His people are those who will trust upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we come out this afternoon in order that we might present Christ to you to tell you to repent and believe the gospel and to come and to take up your cross and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that when we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall have our sins forgiven. We shall know the gift of eternal life. We shall be reconciled to God through him. And ultimately, when we pass on into this world, into the next world, we will be found in glory. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out.
here we are this afternoon seeking to preach something of the gospel to a wide audience of people from all walks of life and from different countries speaking different languages but we have the same gospel we tell them friends the gospel tells us that we are dead in trespasses and sins what does that mean it means the life of God is not in us by nature we don't have spiritual life in us by nature we are dead because we're sinners but Jesus has come and he has said I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly and he has come to give us life spiritual life and he has come to reconcile us to God and we are urged to come unto the Lord Jesus Christ to have to make ourselves be found in him we are to avail ourselves of the gospel and we are to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and here's a glorious promise that we find in the Bible and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out you might think to yourself well I'm a sinner you might say and you might say well it's too bad for me I've lived all my life in the world I've lived a life of a sinner I've done terrible things in my time and you might say to yourself well the Lord Jesus Christ would never accept me that is not the case friends that is not the case if you will but repent if you will but believe the Lord Jesus Christ will you receive you and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out there's a glorious promise and we know that the word of the Lord Jesus Christ is true and it is sincere he himself did say heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall never pass away and that promise that I quoted to you will never pass away him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out we could change it somewhat her that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out you see the gospel is offered to you friends what does Jesus say on another occasion come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light that's what he says and he tells us friends to come with our burdens to him and what is the principal burden that we have the principal burden that we have is our sin we don't like to think about this but the Bible makes it clear to us for there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God what does that tell us in the sight of God we're sinners and because we're sinners we have missed the mark and therefore because we're sinners we need to be saved from our sins how can we possibly be saved from our sins well there's nothing you can do in many ways you know people think that they can get right with God by going to church for instance or going to mass going to confession or whatever or being charitable and trying to do good works and somehow they think that they'll get right with God by doing these things not so 
Not so. Something else is required. Our sins must be forgiven. And who can forgive sins? No one can forgive sins but God alone. And God in Christ is willing to forgive our sins, but we must come to Him. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one. None of us are righteous in the sight of God. We may well be righteous in the sight of this world. We don't need to worry about a policeman coming to our door. Or we don't need to fear going to court to be tried for some crime. Very likely we live morally upright lives and no one in this world can point a finger to us. But God can. You see, God is absolutely perfect. He is pure and holy. The Bible describes God like this. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. That's the God of the Bible. A God who is absolutely holy and pure. And by contrast, friends, we are not. As himself does say in his word, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You might be saying to me then, what is sin? We don't hear much about sin in modern talk these days. And even if you go to church, very often you'll not hear much about sin. It's a taboo subject. But the Bible doesn't make sense unless we understand something about sin. What is sin? Sin is any want of or conformity unto the law of God. Sin is any want of or transgression of the law of God. We are ones who have been given God's law. God has written His law in us, in our hearts. He's also given it to us in Scripture. And principally, God's law are the Ten Commandments. And you will be familiar with them, or some of them. At least you've heard the expression, the Ten Commandments. The first commandment tells us, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And there he's warning us about idolatry. I put it to you, friends, this afternoon. But we all have idols. That we're guilty of idolatry. And you might say to me, well, minister, I think you're a wee bit over the top there. You know, I don't bow down before some shrine or I don't have an idol in my house. So therefore, I'm not an idolater. But friends, an idol is anything that takes the place of the living God. You see, we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. That's what we're to do. If we're to obey the commandments, this is how we are to obey them. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, 
with all our mind and with all our strength. Now I put it to you openly and honestly, consider your own life. Can this be said about you? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength? Well, I have to put my hand up and say, I don't. And if you're honest, you have to put your hand up also and say exactly the same thing. And therefore, we have broken the first commandment. We have idols in our lives. We have things that we think about and love more than we do the Lord our God. And the Lord our God is the one who made us and formed us. And it's only but natural that we should love Him, our Creator, the one who has provided for us, the one who has given us life and health and strength, the one, the one who has given us everything. The one who has given us everything. The air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, our family, our friends, our employment, everything has come to us from our great God. And therefore we should love them, but we don't. And therefore we are saying to ourselves, or we're acknowledging that we have idols. And the idols can come in various forms. Most likely our greatest idol is ourself. We think about ourselves more than anything else. We certainly think about ourselves more than God. And we think more about ourselves than we do about our, our spouses or our partners or our children or our grandchildren. Number one, it's ourselves. And if it's not ourselves, it's something else. It maybe is our spouses, or it maybe is our children, our grandchildren, or maybe it's our football. Maybe we are ones who love our football, our sport, more than anything. Or maybe it's work, or maybe it's our money, or maybe it's just simply pleasure. We're living for pleasure. We're living for the weekend. We're living for the Friday night and the Saturday night and the Sunday night experiences. We want to get out of our minds. We want to get filled with drink or maybe drugs or engage in some sexual activity. We want to enjoy ourselves. That maybe is our idol. Well, friends, the Bible tells us we're to love God above everything. And if we don't, then we're idolaters. And we've broken the first commandment. And what's more, the Bible says, if you break one commandment, you've broken them all. And therefore, we are lawbreakers. Not as far as the law of the land is concerned, but as far as God is concerned. And surely this is what matters, because one day, friends, What's going to happen? This God that you dread, one day you're going to meet him. What a thought that is. But the Bible again is clear on this matter. It does not leave us in doubt. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad. Here Paul is writing to Corinthian Christians. And what's he telling them? He is telling them that one day they are going to stand before Jesus Christ. The one who was crucified and the one who was put in a tomb. But that one 
rose from the grave and that one ascended back up into heaven and that same one is coming back this is an essential doctrine of the Christian faith the Lord Jesus Christ will return and you and I will stand before him we will be called forward and we will give an account for we must all appear we must no matter how much we might not like to the day will come when you will the likelihood is you'll be called out of your grave to come and your body shall be reconstituted and you will stand before King Jesus and therefore that's why we would come out this afternoon to tell you friends when that day will come there is a possibility that you need not fear that day if you have a savior if you have someone who died in your room and place if you have someone who paid the price of your sins in your place then you do not need to fear that awesome and that terrible day but today is the day of salvation today is the day when you are urged to get right with God and to receive Christ as your Lord and as your Savior Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit did you hear the first part of that verse there is therefore now no condemnation there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ there are no condemnation for those who have their sins forgiven and who are reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ what a wonderful hope what a glorious promise what a reality today to be able to live our lives with no condemnation because the Bible tells us that if we live today without Christ then the condemnation of God is upon us even now even now as we walk about on Buchanan Street in Glasgow this afternoon let me read a verse from John's Gospel John chapter 36 John chapter 3 verse 36 I should say he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth on him what a glorious verse friends at least the first part of it is he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life those who believe upon the Lord Jesus today now they possess eternal life it has been given to them it's a gift it's not something they've earned it's not something that they deserve it has been given by the free grace of God what does it mean to believe on the Son many people believe upon the Lord Jesus 
or they say they do. The Jehovah Witness will tell you he believes in Jesus. But I've got news for you. He does not believe in the same Jesus of the Bible. He believes in a Jesus of his own imagination. And so does the Muslim and many others. They have some respect and they believe upon the Lord Jesus. But that kind of belief will not save any one of us. The belief the Bible talks about is a belief whereby we trust and whereby we follow and whereby we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe upon him as the only one who's able to save us, who is God's only begotten Son, the one who has come from heaven in order to seek and to save that which was lost. And that one who went to Calvary's tree and did everything that was required in order to save his people from their sins. That's what it means to believe upon the Lord Jesus. As I've said on other occasions, I believe in Julius Caesar. I believe he was a real historical figure and character. But that doesn't make me a Roman. And just because I would believe certain facts about the Lord Jesus Christ, that does not make me a Christian. A Christian is one who has life and that life has come from God and he believes upon the eternally begotten Son of God who came from heaven and who suffered and died in his room and place and who rose again on the third day. Oh yes sir, it's real. And what's more sir, you know it's real. But you're just trying to deny the obvious. I'm really telling you things that you already know. I'm telling you the fact that God is, and God is real, and you cannot deny him, although you might like to. You cannot, because your own conscience is telling you that God is a reality. Creation itself speaks a wonderful sermon. It tells us that God is. Your conscience tells you that God is. Where did you get the sense of right and wrong? You got it from your conscience. Who give you your conscience? God give you your conscience. It's his marker in you. It is his tag in you. And that's why we're able to come out in the street, no matter where we go, no matter what city, no matter what nation, we can speak the same message because we're talking to people who are made in the image of God and God still has a hold upon you. He has your conscience. And therefore we're able to speak about right and wrong. And we know that it does register with you. Because you have the sense of right and wrong. It's great to be here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. We're out again. We tend to come out once a week. where We worship at 2 Thornwood Terrace. That's just up Dumbarton Road. Once you come to the police station, opposite the police station, there's a hill. Go up the hill, you will come to Thornwood Primary School, and you'll find our building next door at the crossroads. We extend a warm welcome to you. Come along any Lord's Day. That's Sunday, that's tomorrow. 
at 11 a.m. or 6 p.m. You'll be made most welcome. And we have also a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30. And there you'll be able to hear something more concerning the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to take a few moments break to recharge our batteries. But may the Lord bless his word to you this afternoon. Good afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace. That's just up Dumbarton Road. And when you come to the police station, opposite the police station, there's a hill. Go up there and you'll come, first of all, to Thornwood Primary School. Then our building is next door on the crossroads to the school. And we meet on the Lord's Day, which is tomorrow, Sunday, at 11 a.m. in the morning and in the early evening at 6 p.m. And we also meet on Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. And we do extend a warm welcome to you that you might come along and you would hear something more concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the very sum and the substance of biblical Christianity. And we're out this afternoon, as we have done on many other occasions, without taking our part in the great commission that Jesus gave to his disciples. Jesus said to his disciples before he was taken up into heaven, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So, we're here then because we have been commissioned. And we know that the early church were very diligent in the commission that they received. But there was a limit to what they could do. And therefore, the commission has fallen to the disciples of today. And indeed, it is a, a wonderful privilege and a pleasure to be able to come out in the street on this beautiful day that the Lord has given to us in order to present something of the eternal gospel to our fellow citizens and fellow travelers. We're all on a journey, friends, are we not? Life is a journey. We're all on it. One day, though, we'll pass into eternity. And I wonder what will happen to you when that day will come. You might be like many people and you might not want to even consider it or think about it. And you might be one who would like to bury their head upon the sand or in the sand and not acknowledge or deal with this reality. But surely that is somewhat um, not sensible to say the least because it's something that will confront us whether we like it or not. The Bible tells us it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. 
So how will you fare on that day? Well, friends, you're urged to put your faith and hope upon one who came to this world to suffer and to die in order to save sinners. And that's what we are by nature. We might not like to live up to this. We might not like to acknowledge it. But that's the reality as far as God is concerned. And God tells us in his word, the word of the Lord Jesus tells us, for what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? These are very pressing words that we have from the Lord Jesus Christ. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? What will it profit you if you get everything that this world can give you? What if you get all the money that you can, all the property, all the possessions, all the fame, all the wealth, all the honor, all the prestige, everything that this world can give you? What will it profit you? Because, as you know, you will leave everything behind. Was it not about a month or so ago that the nation was shocked by the death of the Queen, the late Queen? Now, she was a rich individual. She had many homes. She had a wonderful, lavish lifestyle. She had everything this world could possibly give her. But like all flesh, she went the way of all the earth. So will you, madam, so will you, sir, so will you, minister. What can you do, therefore? Well, the only way that you can prepare for that day is to have a Savior. And who is that Savior? That Savior is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. That one who went to Calvary's tree, that one who's suffered there and died, was taken down from the cross, dead, put into a tomb, a sealed tomb, and there he stayed there the Friday night and the Saturday night. But what happened? Very early on the first day of the week, Sunday, the Lord's Day, what happened? He arose. A sealed tomb couldn't keep him in. Out he came. Why? Because death could no longer hold him. And that's the Savior you're to have. That's the one who can save us. He saves us not from physical death, but he saves us from eternal death. Now, what is eternal death? Eternal death is spiritual and physical death. He saves us from that. That's what he does in the gospel. And the words of the Lord Jesus are very apt and very appropriate for us to consider for what shall it profit of a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? You see, we are body and soul. And at death, the body and soul separate. The body returns to dust. Whether it goes to the grave or whether it is cremated, it will go to dust. But your soul shall live forever. The soul is something you cannot see. It is spiritual. And when you die, your body shall return to the dust. 
but your soul shall go to God. And immediately he will judge. And whether you are in Christ or not, that will depend upon your eternal destiny. And this is what he says to us here. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? You can lose your soul, friends. How can you lose your soul? You can easily lose your soul simply by living a life without any consideration of the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ and simply dying in that situation. It's very easy to lose your soul. It's so easy to be taken up with the things of this world, to be born, to grow up, to go to school, maybe go to higher education, to university or college, get a job, get married, have children, have a home, have grandchildren, get retired, and before you know where you are, it's old age and you're facing death. And if you die without having your sins forgiven, if you die without being reconciled to God, if you die without Christ as your Savior, you will lose your soul. It's as simple and as clear and as blunt and as stark as that. And therefore, friends, today is the day of grace. This is the day when the gospel is proclaimed and sinners are urged to come and to trust upon the Lord Jesus Christ and receive the forgiveness of their sins and be reconciled to God and to be prepared for eternity. In the Old Testament, in the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 45, and again I would urge you to take up your Bibles and read this for yourselves. Isaiah chapter 45. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. And that's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the coming Messiah. Look unto me. That's what he says to us. And be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. This is a gospel for every single individual. For the Scots, for the British, for the Irish, for the French, for the German, for the African, for wherever, it doesn't matter, because we've all ultimately come from one set of parents. We've come from Adam and Eve. We're all one family, and it's one gospel, one Savior, one way to heaven. Jesus himself did say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You know, there are many people today who tell us there are many gods, or they might say there are many ways to God, there are many ways to heaven. Well, the Bible would refute that claim. The Bible says, for there is one God, 
and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life for ransom for all to be testified in due time. And many people will tell us there's many saviors, many religions. Well, there are many religions, but they cannot save. There's only one savior, for salvation is found in none other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ, who is the only begotten Son of God, who is God in the flesh, this is the one who has come to suffer and die and to provide a way of salvation to all who will trust upon him. And that's why we come out and that's why we remind ourselves of what Jesus said, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The world cannot satisfy you. The world cannot satisfy your soul. The world cannot satisfy your greatest and most deepest need. Only Christ can. Only he can save your soul. That's his business. He says, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. Do we realize by nature we're lost? Again, this is not very flattering. We acknowledge there is an offense with the Christian gospel. And if you've heard the Christian gospel and you've never been offended by it, I put it to you, friend, you've never heard the Christian gospel. Because the Christian gospel, in its very essence, offends the natural man. It offends us because it tells us we're sinners. We've come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And more than that, it tells us we cannot save ourselves. No matter what we might do, no matter what reformation we might undergo, unless the Lord Jesus Christ saves us, we will never be saved. We cannot save ourselves. And even more, we don't want to be saved. That's the way it is. That's how deep our problem is. And therefore, if we're not offended by the Christian gospel, we've never heard it or we've never understood it. But the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Christ has come to save. He's come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what he's done. And that's why we come out with the gospel to preach it indiscriminately to all who will hear, to tell them to come and to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. And heavy metal will never save anyone. No music will save anyone. No culture, no form of entertainment, no sport, no money, no education. Nothing can save but Jesus Christ and Him alone. And therefore, because this is true, no wonder we're out in the street. In fact, if we weren't out in the street, you should be asking, why are you not out in the street 
with this message. This message is so glorious. This message is so important. Why is it, friends? Ask yourself this question. Why is it so many Christians are never on the street? Why is it so many churches never go out in the street? Why is it so many ministers never go out in the street and preach the gospel? Why? The gospel is so wonderful. The gospel is so necessary. Why? Because we're all perishing by nature and we all need a saviour. And we will not come to that saviour unless we hear about him. And we'll not come to the saviour unless we hear about our plight. And we'll not come to the saviour unless we begin to realise that we're sinners. We're sinners in the sight of God. And therefore we take up this commission that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to us and we go out into the street and we seek to bring this message, the Christian gospel to you this afternoon. We are told in Romans chapter 10 verse 13, let me read one or two verses from Romans chapter 10 from verse 13 and read them yourself when you get home. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Paul goes on to say, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But why? Will you call upon the name of the Lord if you never hear about him? That's what the, the Apostle Paul is talking about. People need to hear about Jesus. And people need to hear about what this person has done. And why this person has done what he did. This person is the only begotten Son of God. He had no beginning. But he came to this world... He took upon himself our form and our nature. He became just like us, sin only accepted. And he did this in order that he might be able ultimately to suffer and die and to provide a salvation for us through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. In other words, the Lord Jesus came on a a mercy mission. And he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now you'll never appreciate Christ. You'll never appreciate the gospel. You will not value him and you will not delight in him until you first realize your plight. What is your plight? What is my plight? My plight is I'm a sinner a filthy, dirty sinner in the sight of God. That's my plight. 
And I have to tell you honestly, it's the plight of every single one of us by nature. The Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one. None who are righteous in the sight of God. What does it mean to be righteous? To be righteous is to be able to stand before God without condemnation. None of us can do that by nature. We're all sinners. Sinners by nature and sinners by practice. What is sin? Sin is any want of or transgression of the law of God. Sin is any want of or transgression of the law of God. We've all broken God's law. God has given us a law to live by and we've broken every single commandment. And you might think, well, that's not a big deal. Well, as far as God is concerned, it is a big deal. Because when you break His law, you sin against God. And God is an infinitely great being. And to sin against Him is a terrible crime. And every sin, even the least sin, deserves God's wrath and punishment. And God will not overlook sin. He will deal with it. And He has dealt with it. We rejoice. He has dealt with it in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the very sum and the essence of the Christian gospel. That God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And that's why we want to come out and to share this message with you. Because, friends, not to in any sense offend you, but to inform you, the gospel would tell us we need a saviour. For we have sinned. We have broken God's law. We are guilty lawbreakers in His sight. And we will not get to glory. We will not get to heaven unless we have our sins forgiven. How can this possibly be happen? The only way, friends, is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who lived a perfect life on our behalf. And He's the one who paid the price of sin on our behalf and if we will trust upon him God will receive us we are not righteous in of ourselves not by nature are we righteous but God is prepared to accept the righteousness of another which will be imputed unto us when we believe upon the Lord Jesus can you really imagine it how wonderful it is you know my sins which are great which are many have been placed upon Christ. He has suffered in my room and in my place. And in exchange, what happens? I receive the righteousness of Christ. That's what happens to every single believer who will believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He takes our sin. We receive His righteousness. And therefore, as I said earlier, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is it any wonder then that we keep this message to ourselves? Surely if this message is true, and it is, 
We should be out in the streets every day. We should be telling people about this, that by nature we're sinners. But God in His mercy has provided a salvation for us. And that salvation is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And therefore we come out this afternoon and we exhort you, we beseech you that you might call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All we've done is simply introduce this person to you. But this person alone can save you because whether we like it or not, we're all getting older and the day will come when we shall be gathered to our fathers. We'll go the way of all the earth. Life shall be taken from us and we shall enter into eternity. What does the Bible say? It is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. How will you fear that day? If you have no Savior, friend, that will be a terrible day. Why? Because if you have no Savior, you will, be, you will go to that place called hell. A terrible place. It's called the bottomless pit. It's called the place that has been prepared for the devil and for his angels. And there you will spend eternity in torments. And therefore, can you not grasp and understand that the things that we seek to draw to your attention today are vitally important? Things that you cannot possibly avoid. You need to be confronted with the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to close in with Him to be found in glory. You must have Him as your Lord and Savior. And what's more, friend, He will receive you. Come unto me, He says, all ye that labor under heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We're going to take a short break, but may God bless His Word to you this afternoon. Good afternoon. It's good to be out on the street again. We're here from a local congregation from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing. And we meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace up Dumbarton Road, and you'll come to the police station. Opposite the police station, go up the hill there, and you'll come to Thornwood Primary School. And we are next door at the crossroads and we would extend a warm welcome to every one of you to come along we meet on the Lord's Day that's Sunday tomorrow at 11 a.m. and again at the early evening at 6 p.m. and we also have a, a midweek meeting Wednesday at 7.30 to which you're all warmly invited. Now we're quite often out in the street. We come to Buchanan Street and we also minister at Partick Station, very close to where our
church building is situated. And we come out, friends, because we know we live in the real world, we have our feet firmly on the ground, and we know that most people don't go to a Christian place of worship, and therefore most people don't hear God's Word read or proclaimed, and therefore we want to come out and to bring this message to your attention, because this message is vitally important. It's vitally important because whether we accept it or not, this message affects every single one of us. We cannot avoid it. We are made in the image of God. We are created by God, and therefore we are accountable unto Him. I know that many people today want to believe in evolution, but frankly, Evolution is an unscientific hoax. Nothing can come from nothing. It is completely and utterly unscientific. And although the evolutionists will try to bamboozle people with large words and science so-called and with their academic prowess, yet the reality is the scientific fact remains static. Nothing can come from nothing. And the very fact that there is something here, we are here, creation is here, the universe is here, someone has created all of this. And that someone is none other than Almighty God. In the first verse, in the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God does not try to explain his existence or defend his existence. He simply states the fact, a fact that all of you know, because this fact is in you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And we are part of that creation, and therefore we are accountable unto him. And God, who is our lawgiver, has given us a law, and we have broken that law. Our first parents were created perfect. They had no sin, but they fell. They listened to the tempter. Eve took the forbidden fruit, and Eve gave the fruit to her husband, and he took it also. And from that moment in human history, sin entered into this world and changed this world. It changed the relationship between the creator and the creature. Sin, that barrier was there. And in order for that relationship to be restored, sin has to be dealt with. And that's where Jesus Christ comes in. Christ, the Son of God, became the Son of Man. He left the realms of glory. He left heaven. And He came and veiled His glory and took upon Himself our form and nature. And He lived a perfect life. And He was able, therefore, having lived a perfect life, to offer up a perfect sacrifice. And this was God's way of dealing with mankind's greatest problem. That of our sin. 
That's our greatest plight. That's the problem that faces you and me day in and day out. Sin is what has affected this world. And sin is a great problem. We cannot deal with it ourselves. But God in Christ has dealt with it. And therefore we're able to come out this afternoon and tell you about this person. And to tell you that he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we urge you to put your faith and your hope and your trust both for time, for now, and for all eternity upon Jesus Christ. You are to receive him as he is freely offered to you in the gospel this afternoon. Because he has come not to destroy men's lives as many people think. No, I have not come to destroy men's lives but to save them. And friends, this is one thing that we find offensive concerning the Christian gospel. It tells us we're sinners and we cannot save ourselves. No, we can do so many things for ourselves, but this is something we cannot do. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot deal with this great problem of sin. It doesn't matter what you do. You can turn religious. You can go to a priest. You can confess. You could go to an archbishop or a cardinal or a pope or Muhammad or Confucius or Buddha or whatever. You can go anywhere you want, but you'll never have your sins forgiven unless you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and to him alone. He alone has dealt with sin. He's the one who was punished in our room and in our place. And if you will not trust in him, your sins will never be forgiven and you will never be reconciled to God. And therefore, that's why we come out, because this message is vitally important. It's a message we all need to hear, because, as the Bible says, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because we have come short of the glory of God, therefore, we're under his wrath, and we're under his condemnation. And we can do nothing about it in of ourselves. And that's why we must go to this one who has dealt with sin on Calvary's tree. We must deal with him. We must have dealings with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you might well ask yourself then, is there any hope for me if I'm a sinner? And if I'm under the wrath of God? If Jesus died for our sins, why should I be a good person? Why should you be a good person? Because you're commanded to. But you're if Jesus already died for my sins, then I don't need to. Oh, you do. You have to live according to God's law. That's antinomism this man's talking about. He said to me words to this effect. If Jesus has died for my sins, then I can live any way I like. No, no, no. That's not the gospel. No, no, no. We are to live according to God's law. Yes, we know that Jesus has died for mankind's sins, but that does not excuse our behavior. We are still under the law as a rule of life, not in order to obtain life, but in order to live our life. You'll never be saved by keeping the law. No one's saying that for one moment. But friends, if you're saved, you want to keep the law. I delight in the law of God in the inward man 
the Apostle Paul said. But I want to impress upon you this afternoon our great need of the Lord Jesus Christ. And before we'll ever understand our great need, we must understand our great plight as the Bible sees us. And this is how the Bible describes the natural man or the natural woman. This is the Bible's description of the natural man and the natural woman. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre, with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now these are various quotations that came from the Old Testament that the Apostle Paul gathered together and wrote them down in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 18. And it paints a de desperate situation and picture of the natural man. None righteous. None whatsoever. None are righteous in the sight of God. You might be righteous in your own eyes. And you, that's called self-righteousness. And you might be right in the sight of others but as far as God is concerned none of us are righteous and that means none of us can stand before God uncondemned by nature there is none that understandeth we don't understand God we don't understand his ways we don't even understand the, the terms of the gospel we have no understanding of these things by nature their throat is an open sepulcher. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the bad language that comes out of people. And don't you hear that today? Even in the street, or even in the nursery, and even in the playground. Do we not hear foul language continually, both in the open air, in our homes, and in our television sets and media? We see it continually. We hear it continually. Their feet are swift to shed blood. That's talking about violence. Are we not living in a violent society? Is it not true that many people are frightened to come out at night? Particularly women are frightened to come out at night because of violence. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. There is no fear of God before their eyes. There's no fear of God today, friends. Is that not true in our society? We've thrown the Bible away. We've shut the churches. We no longer want prayer. We don't want the Christian gospel. We don't want our Christian heritage. We want to live our lives without God. There is no fear of God before their eyes. 
And maybe this describes you today. You have no fear of God. You don't recognize that uh, your life is in his hand. You came into this world according to his decree. You go out of this world according to his decree. You live for as long as he wants you to live. He will take you back to himself one day. Is it not true what the Bible says? It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Very solemn things we are considering here. There is no fear of God before them. Well, friends, we want to tell you there's a way to get right with God. And this is what the Christian gospel is about. It's about what God has done. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There we see the great love of God. It was the love of God that motivated him in order to send the Savior. It was the, the love of the Savior to come to this world, to suffer and to die in order to provide a way of escape for mankind. It all has been brought about by the wonderful divine love of God. And in this sense, friends, God is for you. You might think, and many do, that God is against you. That's basically what the devil said to our first parents. The devil tempted our first parents, why don't you eat this fruit? God doesn't want you to have this because he wants to fetter you. He wants to keep you under control. He doesn't want you to have the freedom you should have. But, friends, God is in one sense out for us, out to reconcile himself to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And this is why he has come, friends. He has come in order to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's why we come out this afternoon to tell you about this, to tell you about this glorious person, to tell you about what this person has done, how he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we are doing our job today without without proclaiming the everlasting gospel to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got some kind of... Come on, class, go! Let's make some fucking noise! Well, what can we say? 
Mount Yap for children, that's what we can say. Well, don't tell us. This is a apostate, mate, and it should have stood up against this evil. Hey, listen, we took the, we right the, the, we took the government to court. Well done, then, because yeah. that's a half of uh, Don't, so, don't yeah. accuse us of things. kind are on your side, pal. Uh, we took the government to court. Yes, well done, uh, well done. Well, we're not looking for well done. We're looking for the well done from our good and Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking forward to that day when he'll say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And all we seek to do is to be faithful and to declare the unsearchable riches of Christ. And this is the most important thing that we need to consider. Not the temporal things of this day that pass. We're dealing with eternal realities. Friend, where are you going to spend eternity? This is what matters. What is this life? 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, 90 years maybe, maybe a bit longer. I've got two already, sir. I can sell you them. I've got two already. I've got two already. No more. Thank you. No more. What's life all about? Well, life is about what's going to happen to us in eternity. And then in this day and age, we are to get reconciled to God. And the only way that we can re get reconciled to God is to avail ourselves of the glorious salvation that has been secured for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we come out to introduce this person to you and to tell you something concerning him and what he has done. He's the one who has suffered in our room and in our place. And he's the one who has provided a glorious and a wonderful salvation, full and free. And it's a salvation that's readily, readily available to all who will call upon him. Let me quote to you that wonderful verse at the end of Matthew chapter 11. When Jesus had been scolding the people because they did not respond to his preaching and they were not repenting, yet he says this wonderful things to them. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There the Lord Jesus gave an invitation to gospel-hardened sinners and told them to come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I put it to you this afternoon, that deep down, whether you might admit it publicly or not, but deep down you have a burden, a real burden, a burden you can't shake off, a burden that manifests itself on certain times and on certain occasions. What is that burden? Well, that burden is your sin, and that burden is there because you're not reconciled to God, and the great matter of your sin has not been dealt with it's a terrible burden. It needs to be dealt with. But the Lord Jesus says to you today, now here on Buchanan Street, come, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take your burden to Christ. Come with your sin. Confess your sin. Come to him. Cast yourselves at his mercy. He will receive you. All the Father giveth to me shall come to me, and whosoever cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. This is what Jesus said. 
This is his role. This is his purpose. This is his office to be a saviour. A saviour of men and women and boys and girls. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. There is an exhortation to the young, and indeed to the young in heart. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. And what he's telling us there, what King Solomon is telling us there, come, embrace the Lord Jesus Christ in the days of your youth, when you can devote your whole life, the best part of your life, to following Jesus and to be a Christian and to follow Him and to take up the cross. And he says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth while the evil days come not. He's talking about the, the days of old age when life is more difficult and when you have more problems and you don't have the same time and when you're more hardened in sin. He says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Come, therefore, come and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. We're going to draw our time to a close. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing, and we're a local congregation. We're not fly-by-night characters. We live in Glasgow. We worship in Glasgow. We're situated in Glasgow. We are a, a Scottish registered charity. We meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace, Upton Barton Road. You come to the police station, go up the hill opposite the police station, and you'll come to Thornwood Primary School, and you'll meet our building almost next door. We meet tomorrow, the Lord's Day, Sunday at 11 a.m., and again at the early evening at 6 p.m. And we also meet for a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30. And we would urge you to come along to any of these meetings and you will be made most welcome where you might hear something more concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're looking for a Bible, please make contact with us. We'll be happy to provide one to you. We simply want to bring to your attention the person and the work and the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. They never will. His word is always valid. And may God therefore bless his word to you this afternoon. <laughs>